This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're in the house of God today. Hey, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Get your hand. I, I really encourage you, get, get the Bible today. If you don't have one and once you get one, go with me to the book of First or Second Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians 7. Praise the Lord. Glad to see you out on a June Sunday. Wasn't it a good rain on Friday night and last night? Well, a few of you thought so. The rest of you, I don't know what you missed. Uh, if you've been here for the last several weeks, we've been doing a series on obedience. That series was birthed out of the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, 20. The Lord Jesus said for us to specifically He said, tell them, teaching them to obey all my commandments. That was one of the last things Jesus said to the disciples. He said, teach them to obey my commandments. So Jesus' prescription was, man, we got to learn the commandments of God and learn to obey them. Now, one of our main topics is, or scripture reference has been John 14, 15, and it says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, think about that in that term. And then Matthew 24, 12 says that lawlessness, wickedness will begin to abound. And the love of many will wax cold. Now, the word love there is literally talking to believers. He said the love of believers will begin to wax cold. Now, if you think about that in terms of of John 14, 15, was he saying there that the, the love of many believers will wax cold because they quit obeying me? I believe he was. And so it's something as a believer to say, you know what? I'm going to obey God. I'm going to live by his word. So we start today in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises. Therefore, having these promises. Now, what promises was he talking about? Well, you got to go backwards and go to chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. And the last part of verse 16, 17, and 18, and it'll tell you what those promises are. He said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Come out from among the world. Quit acting like the world. Quit living like the world. Quit imitating the world. The the message says, leave the corruption and the compromise. Now, was he telling us to stay away from the people of the world? No. That's not what he was saying. He was telling us, instead of the world influencing you, you begin to influence the world. But don't live like the world. And so grab a hold of that right there. He said, come out from among them and be separate says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I will be the father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises. Now the promises were, God will dwell among us, he will receive us, and he will be a father to us. What a great promise. Keep reading, verse 1. Beloved, let us... Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. 
Anything that defiles the things of God or distracts us and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, these promises that God will he'll dwell among us, He'll receive us, and, and will be a father to us, should motivate us to holiness, but also they should challenge me to say, I want to live with a fear for God. Now, understand this about the fear of God. There's a difference between being afraid of God and fearing God. To be afraid of God, I would run and hide from God, but to fear God is to honor Him, to reverence Him, to respect Him. And so the fear of God doesn't push me away. The fear of God tells me, man, I want to get around God. I want to be about Him. And so this morning, we're going to learn a little bit about what it is the fear of God but our example this morning is going to be the Israelites. Now go with me back to 1 Corinthians 10. Back to your left. 1 Corinthians 10. When I fear God, I love what He loves and I hate what He hates. And so the fear of God is reverence for God. And again, just to stand in awe of Him. Now we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read verses 6 and verse 11. Then we'll come back and we'll paraphrase this verse 7 through 9. Start with me in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6. Now these things become our examples. The New Living says these things become warnings to us. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they, the Israelites, also lusted. Verse 11. Now all these things happened to them, the Israelites, as examples or our examples. And they were written for our admonition or for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Upon the end of the ages has been fulfilled or completed. Now twice there in, in two verses, verse 6 and verse 11, the apostle Paul said, these were written as our examples. What was written for our examples? Well, if we broke that down, there was four things that the Israelites did that weren't good. The very first thing that he talks about in verse 8 is they became idolaters. They got involved with idols. Now, if I was asked the question right now, what would be an idol to most of us in this room? Most of us would probably respond with something like a carved image Something that they made. But if you were to look at that verse and it says they became idolaters, it specifically says that they were eating, drinking, and they rose up to play. So in that content right there, was the Apostle Paul telling us that their eating became an idol? Their drinking became an idol, and their play or their entertainment became an idol. So how does that look to me? Because he said, these things are written for our example. So we look at that. Back then, when food became their idol, they didn't even have a McDonald's. When drink became their idols, they didn't even have Starbucks. And when they rose up to play or entertain, 
they didn't have movies 16. They didn't have movies 1. But think about this in our life, that these became examples for us, that these were the things that ultimately got them in trouble. They became idols. So can food, drink, and pleasure become my idol? Absolutely. Now, I'm not saying that we don't eat and we don't drink and we don't enjoy entertainment, but something happens that when that becomes my God, when I become consumed with it, that was the first thing he warned. The second thing he said, they were sexually immoral. What a warning for us. That's why i got to live by the Word of God. And when people say, well, the Bible's outdated, or they come back and say, you know what, if it feels good, go ahead and do it. You can. But understands, according to Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And he said right here, this is for our example. The third thing said they tempted Christ or they tried him. It was almost like they baited Jesus. And the fourth thing that he specifically warned for our admonition was they were complainers. It's too hot out. It's too cold out. It's too rainy. It's too dry. I mean, see, if we're not careful, we can become habitual complainers. Some of you say, I live with a habitual complaint. No, you don't. But again, these were written for our admonition, for our instruction. And it was as if the Lord was saying, you got to get this, guys. you got to get this. Now, to further understand this, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 3. Now, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter uh, several different ones. Hebrews 3 first. Now, why is it important that I see the example that they had? I, I got to keep that in front of me because I can never forget that example. I got to keep the word within front of me and I got to see this is what the Bible said and I must live by it because if I don't, the very warning that happened to them, it will repeat itself in my life. Those four that he talked about were not exempt from those. They were written for our, uh, our admonition. Hebrews 3 verse 16. For who having heard, they rebelled. Now, think about that. This is talking about the Israelites. They heard the word, but they still rebelled. And so, it wasn't because they didn't know the word. They heard the word. They just chose not to obey the word. And the question arises, why did they rebel against the word of God? Well... I'm going to stay right there in Hebrews 3. I'm going to come right back to it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, this will give you insight on why they rebelled. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. I believe the reason or one of the reasons that they rebelled is they didn't fear God. If I don't fear God... I'm not going to obey God. And there's a great connection between the lack of fear of God and disobedience. And there's a great connection between the fear of God and obedience. If you fear God, you're going to obey. Now, the end of Deuteronomy 5.29, it says, That it may be well with them and with their children forever. That it'll be well with them and their children forever. 
I'm just telling you guys right now, that's next Sunday. Next Sunday is Father's Day. We're going to talk about generational blessings next weekend, so I encourage you to be here. It will revolutionize your life when you begin to see how things spiritually are handed down. Back to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. For who having heard rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Yeah, that's who it was. It was the Israelites. Now remember this, guys. God's not into forced relationships. In other words, God won't force you to serve him. God won't make you serve him. God desires that we have a heart that says, you know what? Lord, I want to fear you. And when I fear him, I'll begin to obey him. Verse 17. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? One of the best definitions of this was the word for anger is grieved. God was grieved by him for 40 years. Now get this. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? Because of their sin, many of them died in the wilderness. They never did enter the promises of God. Remember how history will repeat itself? Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? They did not listen. They wouldn't comply, and so he identifies some things. First of all, he called them sinners, that they sinned. And number two, he defined sin, and he said they wouldn't obey. They just wouldn't obey. Verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief or because they were unwilling. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains, the new, uh, the new Living says it still remains, of entering his rest, let us, let me and you fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So he warns me right there that if we don't learn to fear God, we're going to fall short of the very things that God has for every one of us. Same chapter, verse 11, Hebrews 4, verse 11. Let us, therefore, be diligent. That word diligent means to exert ourselves or make every effort to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So the scripture is very clear right here. That if I repeat the things that the Israelites did, the disobedience they had to God, it said, I'm setting myself up to fall. I'm setting myself up for failure. Do our Hebrews chapter 12. Keep reading. Hebrews chapter 12. Now we'll tell you this. Grace doesn't override disobedience. See, a lot of people will teach that. Grace doesn't override disobedience. I don't care who you are. Hebrews 12, verse 25. 
See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Don't refuse him. For if they, the Israelites, did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth. Now who was that that spoke on earth to the Israelites? Moses did. Remember, Moses was instructed by God. And Moses went in and said, listen, boys, this is how we got to live. This is what we got to do. This is what it's talking about. They, they refused to obey what he said. Now, you got to get this right here. They refused him who spoke on earth much more, not a little bit more, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. You know what he's talking about for me and you? Don't refuse the word of God. Don't refuse God who speaks from heaven. Keep reading. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now God has promised saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now he's warning us here, there's going to come a day when there's going to be another shaking. What will that happen or what will that look like? Keep reading, verse 27. Now this expression yet once more indicates the removal or the final removal of those things that are being shaken. As of things that are made. Now remember that that phrase right there. As of things that are made or man-made, that the things cannot, cannot be shaken may remain. So what he's telling me here, the day is coming. When all the man-made things of this earth are going to crumble. They are going to crumble, okay? And the only thing that will remain is the things of God or the things of eternity. So what are the things here that are going to be torn down? All the things that are useless, worthless, and sinful. They are literally going to fall before our eyes. Verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Now get this right here. Get this. This is really good. Let us have grace by which we may serve God. What did he say grace was for right there? By which we may serve God. He didn't say grace by which we may do whatever we want. He didn't say that. He said grace by which we may serve God. How? Acceptably. Pleasing. With reverence and godly fear. Now if I look at the the four things that he said to serve God by grace with, or what grace was for. He said, number one, to serve Him. Number two, grace me to serve Him acceptably. Grace me to reverence Him. And grace me to fear Him. Here's a great question for you. How many have ever asked God to grace you in those areas? Probably most of us haven't. That's never been a full-fledged prayer of mine. Now, I say, Father God, grace me today. 
Grace me, grace me to be a man of God. Grace me to help me. But what would happen if I begin to say, Father God, today, grace me that I may serve you. Grace me that I may reverence you. Grace me that I live with a godly fear. And this is exactly what we've got to understand right here. That this is God's desire for every one of us. Why is this so important? Well, look what he says in verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. One translation says, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. So when you think about fire here, understand this. God doesn't play. Two things that fire does. Number one, it burns up all the junk. All the hay, the straw, the sticks, the things that don't amount to nothing, the sin in my life. But number two, fire causes all the the purities to come to the top. So it will burn up the impurities, but it will cause the purities to rise to the top. And this is what he's talking about here. He's an all-consuming fire. So it will be like every one of us will stand and and fire will come upon us. And the things that are man-made, gone. But the things that are eternal... They will remain. But God is an all-consuming fire. Now go to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus 20, and this is still talking about the Israelites. Now, if you ever study Exodus 20, Exodus 20 is where the Ten Commandments are found. Not the Ten Suggestions, the Ten Commandments. We pick up, Exodus 20, verse 18. Now all the people, not just a few, but all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, kind of like last night, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. When they saw, every one of them, they saw God's power and God's authority. Verse 19. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Now the problem here with them, they wouldn't enter God's presence. They wouldn't go into the presence of the Lord. Verse 20. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear or don't be afraid of God. For God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Wow. Now what did he say there? If you'll get all this... He said that the fear of God would be before you. And when I live with the fear of God in my life, he said, so that you would not sin. And so when we live with the reverential fear of God, you say, man, Lord, I don't want to do that. I want to stay away from that. And that's not a fear again to be afraid of God. That's a fear that says, Lord, I want to come into your presence. I want to hang around you. And when I come into his presence, there's the fullness of joy. There's peace, there's blessings in his presence. But if you'll know right there, he said, so that you won't sin. 
Verse 21. So the people, they stood afar off. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now, every one of them here, they had the same opportunity. They had the same opportunities that even Moses did. If you'll get it there, Moses drew near. Moses went into the presence of God. But the children of Israel wouldn't. They wouldn't go into God's presence. Now, get a hold of this. They knew about God. They just didn't know God. See, I can know about God, but do I know Him? See, I can know about Felix, but do I, I really know Him? And so this is exactly what happened. They knew about God, but they didn't know Him because they never went into His presence. And partly that was because they didn't fear Him. And ultimately, they do the unthinkable. They made, M-A-D-E, and remember the things that are made will be shaken. And they made a golden calf. Instead of going into the presence of God, they made a golden calf. And so the golden calf there was symbolic of the world. And you know what they said? I would rather live by the things of the world than go into the presence of God. Unthinkable. Now, when we put all this together here, it was written for our example. Do I gravitate toward the things of this world? Do I gravitate toward the golden calf? Or do I come into the presence of God? Remember what we read in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. It said, be separate. Come out from among them. In other words, don't live like the world. Live for the kingdom of God. Say, Lord, grace me to obey you. Grace me to fear you. Grace me to serve you, Lord. I want to be pleasing in your sight. I got one more passage you got to see. Back in the New Testament, go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I can tell you this in my own life. For the last four days, every time I begin to read on these lines, the, the fear of God starts coming upon me. Just, just in, in incredible ways. Where I, I begin to weep before God. And it's like God is purifying me. Something's happening on the inside of me. And I like it. My flesh doesn't like it, but my heart likes it. Where I just say, Lord, go ahead and cleanse me. You know the old saying, real men don't cry. That's a lie. It's okay to weep before the Lord. Something happens when I just get tender before God. Now, I'm getting ready to read this in Philippians 2, starting in verse 12. I want you to read this with me. As if God is speaking directly to you, okay? Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He said, as you've always obeyed my instructions or my suggestions. 
Not as just in my presence when I'm there, but now much more in my absence. So Paul said to him, I've seen you obey even when I'm not there and I am there. Work out your own salvation. Now, you got to understand this when he's talking about this. He's not saying work for salvation. You can't work for salvation. You're only saved by faith through grace, okay? You can't work out salvation. But when he says work out your own salvation, you know what he's saying? Show the results of your salvation. In other words, if I've really gotten saved and I've given my heart to Jesus, there ought to be some changes in my life. If there's not changes in your life, I really wonder if you've really given your heart to Jesus. How many of you get around people and they say, you're a different woman, you're a different man. What's changed about you? Well, that's part of working out your salvation. But he doesn't end there. He challenges us to work out our salvation. Get this. With fear and trembling. With fear, there it is, the fear of the Lord. To stand in awe of God, to reverence God. And a lot of people say, I fear God. I worship God. I honor God. But what about the last word? Do you tremble? And let me help you with that word tremble. This came alive to me when I read this in the Amplified Version. When it talks about tremble right here, it says, listen, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Jesus. This was the challenge. And then we jump to verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. For it is God who wills in you to do for His good pleasure, to work in you to will and to do for His good pleasure. I know a lot of people that quote that will say, God is working in me to will and to do for His good pleasure in my life. Is that true? Yes and no. It's only true if I obey verse 12. Verse 13 hinges on obeying verse 12. So if I live my life and I work out my salvation with fear and trembling, that's my part. And then you know what God does? Verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. God starts working in my life. He's got a plan. And that looks like this. He begins to shape me. He begins to mold me. Remember, He's the potter and I'm the clay. He's the creator. I'm the creation. And He keeps working on me. And you know what He says? Get back in the oven. I'm not done with you. Get back in the oven. Mommy, mommy, is this how we make cookies? Shut up and get back in the oven. Just kidding. God begins to work on us as we serve Him, as we tremble and we fear before Him. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.